Hello and welcome to the Hope Week podcast. Today I'm with Annabelle Padwick, founder of Life at Number 27. I'm Matt Appleby, Hope Week editor. Now, Annabelle is a professional gardener and well-being practitioner. So welcome, Annabelle. Hello. <laughs> Excellent. Great to have you on. Now, tell me about what what you do. What's your, what's your story? Tell me about your, your background and, and, and what do you do in horticulture? Yeah, so I suppose my background is I came into the world, this, I suppose, the world of horticulture. So for, for my own, just own experiences of wanting to learn how to grow my own food, getting my own allotment and hoping that I could learn some new skills, but also it might help with my mental health at the same time. So this was probably back in 2015, that sort of time. So that's when I got my allotment. And then after a number of years of doing it myself and learning um, of having my own allotment and then also alongside having my own sort of private psychotherapy, which I was very fortunate to have, that I decided actually there's a whole range of different people that are struggling with their mental health, and this was back then, let alone now, um, that can't access the mental health support that they really need or the waiting lists were too high then. Um, whereas actually to me it's a no-brainer and it makes absolute sense from a psychological point of view to combine gardening and psychotherapy together. Um, So then in 2019 I quit my old career which was very very different in marketing um, and set it up as a sort of social enterprise CIC organisation. So that's what we do now is we support children and adults from as young as five um, with combining horticulture therapy and counselling um yeah and support all ages in schools and then at our bespoke therapy sites that we've got in Northamptonshire and now in Wales as well no brilliant so what what are you trying to tackle so in terms of trying to tackle I suppose it's trying to give fundamentally sort of day to day it's trying to give people of all ages access to mental health support that that works um and is different as an alternative option to maybe in a four walls sort of counselling type therapy. Um, and then from a bigger perspective, I suppose it's trying to just get it as a prescribed therapy option UK wide and to see it as for the, the government and the NHS and funders to see it as equally as important as your general counselling in full walls, CBT type therapy. So I guess that's sort of the bigger goal. Um, and then day to day, it's trying to yeah support as many people as possible and raise funding so we can open more therapy sites and work in more schools. So there's, there's three sites you operate from at the moment. What what goes on there? So it's a mixture of different stuff, but we do after school club programmes for, for children as young as that's mainly primary school age. For children that are struggling, um, all different children can come though. So they might be struggling with their mental health. They might be struggling just with the natural environment of school settings. So very much seated environment in the classroom, sort of, they might struggle with that. So it's giving children an outlet before they go home where they can gain that autonomy back and also play, express themselves, have like a child-led sort of approach for an hour where they can do what they want to do really, but also learn how to grow their own food, how to connect with the environment and wildlife. Um, Yeah, so that's sort of what we do with the children. And then we also do school intervention programmes. So that's working with children that are 
at risk of exclusion um, from school due to maybe challenging behaviour as much as I don't like that word but or they might be struggling with anxiety, low self-esteem so trying to really help them stay in mainstream school and get that support that they need really so that's yeah the main aim of what we do and then we have our adult therapy programs where they have most people they come for a full year they're prescribed by their GP and they'll come for a full year and have access to their own mini allotment plot um, which is the roughly about two and a half meters by four and a half meters wide so enough space that you can pretty much try and grow anything but not enough but not too much that it's overwhelming so we give them that space and then they have that and a counselor alongside them and someone that can teach them the basics of how to grow their own food so they've got that space where they can come every week for a whole, like for the day, learn all the skills, have their own plot where they've got full control and autonomy over that and speak about what they need to speak about and meet other people in a group setting. So yeah, after school clubs, school intervention programmes and then adult therapy in groups and one-to-ones is predominantly what we do across all sites. Wow, that's a lot of, a lot of things. So how, how does it work as a business? We're a business magazine, so how, how does it operate business-wise for you? Um, a lot of it is fundraising. <laughs> um, it's fundraising and then some of the school programmes, especially sort of in England more than Wales, the schools can usually have a pot of money to support children that, that need that additional support, I guess. Um, so they might use that to pay for us to come in and support a number of children so it'll either be one-to-ones two-to-one sort of sessions or a maximum of a group of six at a time to make sure we can give them that the right level of support they need um otherwise it's yeah fundraising some parents will pay for after school club but predominantly it's a lot of fundraising grant applications doing honesty box sales um and trying to find as many opportunities for especially within the industry for companies within the industry to sponsor the organization and sponsor our work on like an annual basis that's sort of our biggest aim and goal really is actually to have the industry supporting the horticultural therapy and actually promoting what we do and keeping people within the industry and people wanting to get into gardening and people just wanting to stay in it whether they just do it for their mental health whether actually as a child they love the program and then they get into gardening as a career because it was accessible and it connected with them on a different level so yeah I hope that off the back of it people will get support but they'll also decide actually I want to do this as a career in whatever aspect of horticulture that might be but it opens those doors up in a different way if that makes sense. No sure do you think there's enough support in these areas for people who actually are working in the industry? In terms of mental health support you mean? Mm, Yeah. No I don't think there is I think I think it probably varies per organisation and I don't know, I'd be interested to know just in terms of the numbers of how many organisations in the industry do have like a mental health support sort of policy or mental health first aiders that have done training and are identified so that if people are struggling, they've got an internal point of contact that they could just chat to and speak to. I think that's so important to be able to if we could do that as a sort of industry-wide thing that would be fantastic but I think otherwise it comes down to just depending on how open that organises is just allowing space for conversations in between work um, and those support they get because I know some support will be sort of through private providers and companies might pay for them to have access to that 
but otherwise you're relying on the people using sort of NHS, the general, but look seeking their own mental health support. But it'd be nice if companies had some sort of level of just involvement or wanting to be involved in helping support the well-being of their staff. Because as you probably know, and we all know really, is that actually the more well all our staff are, the better they're going to perform, the better they're going to be able to perform and the more productive and consistent they'll be. So I think there's definitely value in companies investing in this area and making sure they have got a point of contact that's trained to support people if they need it, even if it's just on a a general chat signposting point of view. No, indeed. You mentioned GPs. Do do you get people referred then? Is is there actually money to prescribe this sort of uh, green care in, in budgets for that? So we get people referred, um, but yeah, as you, I don't know if you listen to my House of Lords um, debate conversation, but there's no... I was going to come on to that. Yeah, 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 but there's no money in it. So they have, at the minute they'll refer in quite happily as much as little as, as much as we want to, but there's no pots of money that very rarely will come with people um, for that support. And we are, we're providing a year's support with a qualified professional counsellor and with that training of sort of grow your own food. And yeah, they won't, very rarely is there money that comes with them unless the client will pay for it themselves, um, which doesn't really happen. It's an ideal, but it never happens. It's just an option we offer people. But yeah, that's sort of how it works currently. mentioned the lords which must have been quite a a big thing i i did a bit for them as well they're doing an inquiry into horticulture so just in a nutshell what did you tell the lords i think it was mainly that we need to up our game in terms of horticultural therapy in terms of there's not enough training there's clear blurred lines between horticultural therapy and social and therapeutic horticulture first and foremost and there's that confusion within the industry anyway itself of what the two are and how they differ but also the just the level of training isn't there currently in the people that are delivering the in the delivering sessions across the country they're not qualified enough to to be delivering sessions to the level that they're stating they are and then there's not the support from financially to be delivering those sessions like i said they say yeah, there's no money coming in to support it so we're all having to fight for funding as much as we can to deliver those sessions so that was basically, yeah, fundamentally it and just saying there's not enough support and in industry, like I worked a lot with Perennial to get their report to find out like the amount of people that are isolated as horticulturists within the industry that, that are struggling with their mental health doesn't add up either with how much in the media we're saying gardening can help. Like it's quite a contradiction in some ways that public the public messages gardening's massive for your wellbeing, it can really benefit, but then actually yeah, people in the industry are really struggling. So trying to just sort that out, I guess, and make that a lot more clearer and than it just being a brief sort of headline. Have you had much feedback since you appeared before the Lords? I think it's been it's been varied, a lot of positive. Everything's been positive, which is amazing because you never know what you're going to get back. Um, but it's mainly been positive. It'd be nice to have a lot more input from the industry, I guess, off the back of it, because a lot of it so far has been from people that are desperate to access services or psychotherapists or counsellors. So from that sort of mental health field, they really understand the importance. But it would be, for me, I would, considering my sort of background before the organisation was the industry, I'd really love to see the industry getting behind it a lot more and them getting in touch. But 
that's that, that's my personal preference, I suppose, really. What do you hope comes out of your appearance before the Lords? I think just hopefully an awareness within the House of Lords and wider of the current situation and of how mental health is being treated UK-wide, but especially within this industry and within horticultural therapy and that it's just everyone sort of just double-checks in with themselves and goes, am I doing this right? Am I doing it ethically? Am I doing it safely? Or am I doing enough I can do to support my staff um, and the gardeners, whatever sort of whatever part of the industry you're in within horticulture, but are you doing the best you can to support those around you? Really, I think it's just everyone just yeah, checking with themselves and go, am I doing this right? Am I doing the right thing? Or am I trying to do this, but I'm not actually trained to do it? I mean, with everyone going back to work and, you know, pressure building on to perform sort of back to pre-2020 levels, do you think, you know, mental health in the work is, is getting worse in the workplace? Um, I think it depends because there's, I think for some people they get, they get massive benefit from being at home. But then I know from just speaking to friends and family, like being in and being at, going back into the office actually adds to that opportunities to interact with other people. And actually have that face-to-face contact because we all have different levels of how much we like human connection. But fundamentally, we all need human connection to some extent. For It's just a natural basic instinct that we have. So I think the face-to-face can sometimes give us that and being in that office environment. So I think it's balancing that with people's need to have flexibility at the minute. Just uh, going on to another area, um, schools. I've done some pieces on schools school gardening getting on the curriculum you know i did a piece with jim carter from downton abbey who spoke at a parliamentary event about this and uh but i was a bit surprised by the lack of kind of backing from industry organizations for that which is surely something which i thought that they would support fully do do you think everyone's working together for this do you think that is that is an aim to have gardening on the curriculum do you think that would help you know kids mental health i think it would massively help kids mental health and and just the, the knowledge of where food comes from like the amount of children that are and adults that I speak to that don't actually know where potatoes come from don't know that actually chips come from potatoes and that potatoes grow in the ground they don't know that that sort of cycle let alone the benefits of actually learning outdoors like the benefits of learning outdoors and kids of a classroom environment are huge let alone the practicalities of them being able to exert energy through safe ways in terms of gardening and growing your own food and using weeding as like a de-stress technique. And there's so many different ways it can help. So I think the industry could do a lot more because the schools, I think a lot of the times it comes back to saying, well, the schools need to do it, but the schools don't have the money fundamentally. They don't have the resource to be able to do it. And so I think, that's where we always try and say to industry, can you come and help us? Can you help sponsor our school programme so we can go in and deliver really successful therapeutic but also educational programmes that are aligned with the curriculum to support children? But there's, yeah, there's a definite lack of interest, which is frustrating on many levels. But I think there's a lot more industry could do because it makes sense, doesn't it? You think about if the industry supports it, it keeps more people from every aspect coming into the industry, whether they're 
shopping in a garden centre, whether they're deciding to become gardeners or garden designers or a journalist within the industry. Like it makes absolute sense for companies and to be investing in the in the next generation and to help and improve their well-being and their physical well-being at the same time. Yeah, it definitely helps with career pathways. Um, you've got something called Growing for Wellbeing Week. That's 3rd to 9th of June 2024, quite a long way off. But what is Growing for Wellbeing Week? So it's always around, I set it up originally, I think it was back in 2018, 2019, as a way because I suppose with Life Number 27, we're very limited in terms of the amount of people we can actually support day to day just due to funding how many members of staff that we can have and the sites that we can set up. So I always wanted an opportunity where we could support everybody as many people as possible and get the message out there as as wide as possible so that's where I sort of set up the week as a way to have a week where we can really push our messaging on a bigger scale but also offer resources to schools families we've had it go to care homes we've had them now go to yeah literally colleges secondary schools universities care homes yeah everywhere you can think of that have since taken up our resource pack which is like 40 I think it's got to 46 pages now of activities um that they can do that will help teach them gardening skills or fun activities but also they're all connected to the national curriculum and well-being um aims as well so it was always being able to basically offer everyone else something to help them and to promote what we do but on a bigger scale, I guess. So yeah, that's what we, that's what the reason is behind it. And we hope that every year we get new people getting involved and industry getting involved as well to help get involved with the week and promote it. Great, sounds good. What are your plans? Do you want more locations or, or, or what? I think, yeah, my aim is, is definitely more locations um, where we can deliver more work uh, because schools are desperate for us to deliver the sessions. They're absolutely desperate because um, there's so many children that are really struggling in mainstream but also can't get into special schools but the special schools aren't necessarily suited for them either so they're desperate for us there's adults that are desperate for our support so it's more sites and more funding to be able to develop the sites and also paramountly have qualified professional counsellors and mental health experts being able to support them so they're not coming to us and then also having to go to the NHS and GP waiting list that we can actually give them that full wraparound service with us um, which makes sense so I guess yeah that's sort of the next that's our mission and that's our aim and hopefully through the awareness that we're doing our partnership with the Prince and Princess of Wales with the Royal Foundation sort of their partnership and hopefully doing these sorts of things with you guys which is greatly appreciated will help raise that awareness and help just if anyone's interested in supporting us then them coming forward. Best of luck with it all. That's a, a great call out to the industry. Um, now, this has flown by our podcast, but at the end of the podcast, we always ask our guests the same question, which is, what is your favourite plant? What plant would you take to a desert island, Annabelle? I think it would have to be mint. Because if I planted a desert island, it would never go, would it either? No, well, yeah. But I think I just, I love mint. It's, it's, it's a tough one, but I think mint is my one thing because it's got so many uses. Um and it's just one of those plants that I automatically, especially blackcurrant mint, I can smell it and I instantly feel just 
happier and more alive and more awake like I've literally got it by pretty much every door of my house and in the land as well in our small holding so it's probably mint because it's resilient and it's yeah you can use it in so many ways in teas but and it just makes me smile excellent a versatile mint okay well it's been great talking to you Annabelle that's Annabelle Padwick from Life at Number 27. I'm Matt Appleby, Hot Week editor, and this has been the Hot Week podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe to or follow Hot Week podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or your preferred podcast platforms. Once again, thanks to Annabelle Padwick, and see you next time.